0: Okay, welcome, listeners, to the MJ's Ignorant podcast. My name is MJ, and I know a fair amount of stuff about several many things. Politics is not one of those things, and this is a politics podcast. Uh, I do have very many friends who know a lot about politics and talk to me about it frequently. And so I thought that maybe I would just field my questions about politics with my friends, and I also decided to record it. So that's going to be this podcast. We're going to be talking about the fundamentals of lots of different uh, politics issues, and uh, generally every episode will be one question, so today's episode is, politics, what are they? Very softball question for my expert panelists, Um, and then they're just going to answer that question, and uh, then there's going to be a couple of ground rules. Um, I guess there's just one ground rule, no debating, so that's... That's kind of how this is going to go. It'll be conversation. It'll be, you know, we'll have people from lots of different political backgrounds and political opinions, but we're not looking to debate and find the right answer to anything. We're just looking to have a comprehensive understanding of what's at work in politics. So with that, let's introduce my guests for this first introductory episode. So here with me in my studio, I've got my good friend, Josh Breskowitz. Hi. Now, Josh is not an expert or educated in politics, he just knows way too much about it and talks way too much about it. Uh, He's one of these friends who will frequently, you know, grab me in the middle of the day and say, you know, if we just get this specific number of seats in some chamber of something in the government, we will be able to do this thing. And I don't know how he knows all that stuff, but he does. Uh, Josh also writes for a blog, uh, and his blog is at joshbrez.com. That's J-O-S-H-B-R-E-Z dot com. All right. And then my other two guests are joining us remotely. So first, we've got Jenna Johnson. Uh, Jenna is a law student at Texas A&M, and she also did her undergrad in broadcast journalism and spent a little bit of time uh, working for Fox and Friends on Fox News. So I did. She is an awesome voice to have in here because Josh and I are what she would call snowflakes uh, we we generally are unapologetic we're, we're her favorite snowflakes yes we're both uh pretty liberal in terms of opinion uh that being said jenna i don't think you'd say that you know fox news was your you know own personal opinion and that didn't really line up with you that just happened to be where you worked right
1: Sure. I mean, I I would say it would be impossible to agree with every political standing in a media corporation. And if you do, that's uh, you should definitely work there and run the place. But (laughs) most of the people
0: definitely don't. (laughs) Okay, but you do sit right of center generally. Do I have that right? Yes. Okay. I would say that. All right, and then my other guest joining us remotely is from Washington, D.C. That is Steve Swedberg, who works for a policy institute called the American Institute for Research and also runs a blog at libertarianjew.blogspot.com. Hey, Steve.
2: Hey, Matt. Nice to to be here.
0: Yes, and as Steve will indicate, having known me for a very long time, the M&MJ stands for Matt. So if you hear somebody call me Matt that's MJ. It's the same person. I
1: never knew that.
0: Now you do. See? (laughs) All right. So let's jump in to today's topic, politics. What are they? It's a broad question. Uh, let's just get an answer from everybody before we break the question down a little bit. So go in whatever order suits you.
3: That's a complicated question. I mean, a little bit. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of like most things. I mean, this is one of those big things that uh, kind of animates adult people, like, a lot. Like, it, it's one of those things that, like, in a polite conversation, you're never supposed to talk about. So it's like asking, what is religion? It's...
0: Yes, absolutely. I think it, it's an ill-defined or overly broadly defined thing. Like you said, people will say, I hate politics, or let's not talk about politics. But what is it that we're talking about? Other answers from the panel?
1: Well, I think when people say, uh, I don't like to talk about politics, it's just mostly because they feel that the person they're talking with is going to know more about it than they do, and they're going to lose an argument.
0: Interesting. I thought you were going to say they're worried that the person they're talking to is going to disagree with them.
1: Oh, no, no, no. I think it's... uh, I honestly think it's a little bit more that they feel, they feel their view is going to be challenged and they're not going to have an argument grounded in facts to combat it.
0: Excellent. Well, that means that there's a market for this podcast because there's a bunch of other ignorant people like me who don't know what they're talking about when it comes to politics. My turn? Yeah, it's your turn,
2: Steve. I, I think when you look at the essence of politics, even in a more general sense, you're dealing with uh, two aspects of it. Uh, you're dealing with power and coercion, really, because even you could talk about religious politics, how uh, certain clergy members or how uh, certain lay people within a religious group can uh, uh, use use whatever clout or resources they have to influence um community um, it's even in work politics too but in this case we're talking more about uh, the government um, how it uh al- how it uh, acquires and allocates resources and how it uh, sees fit to use um its power um and coercion because it has that unique ability that no even no other corporation really has um how it uses the, the those aspects to be- best allocate resources and that even ties into economics where you're dealing with the issue of scarcity because we are, we are human beings. We have nearly infinite desires and demand for things. And yet we have a limited supply of resources and dealing with how to best allocate uh, those resources. So just kind of how, how it all like all these uh, sci- social sciences really tie in uh, to the answer of what's politics.
3: I like, um, I like Steve, I like your definition. Like the, if I've been noodling it, for the last couple of minutes and as i was kind of thinking about it, if i were to have to like boil it down into one sentence politics is primarily concerned with like the the application of power um particularly like like a collective group of people versus versus individual yes
0: great so uh we've we've touched on a lot already um i think so I, I kind of have two two first bullet points in my uh, loose, crappy outline for this episode. Um, and I think those first two relate to what Steve was talking about in terms of there's one aspect when we talk about politics, that's the actual government and uh, the policies that they make, all the laws that they make. And then there's also the interpersonal aspect. So who has influence over who? And if somebody makes a decision or makes an action Like, what does that mean? And that's like the unspoken part. Um, I think Jenna was mentioning, you know, losing arguments and not being equipped to talk about politics is a reason somebody might not want to talk about politics. I also think that there's so much unspoken knowledge that has to exist to even know what you're talking about. Um, Like my example with Josh, knowing about all the seats that are up, that's number one, technical but on the other hand, if somebody gets a seat in some office, there's all this other stuff. Um, how do you even navigate that? Like, how do you guys get a sense for what it means if somebody wins an office or somebody loses an office? Or, like, which member of the Democratic Party put forward this policy versus another one? Like, that's all politics, but it's, like, people politics. It's not just the mechanics of running the government.
2: Well, I stumped
0: him. (laughs) Rephrase that. (laughs) Um, Even if I were to know who holds every local and national seat, I still wouldn't have the knowledge to form political opinions or to form opinions on policies because there's all of this influence and who's who kind of knowledge and that's all like under the surface but people seem to have it right and so like and we could also talk about it in terms of uh like ideal like kind of caricature or microcosm world of like what the government is and then what real life is so the little caricature version is like oh yeah uh these people get elected by their constituencies And then things that their constituency wants, they advocate to make a law for. And then the law gets voted on by the Congress and it gets passed if it gets the votes. And that's how we make laws and run the country. But like, that's not remotely what is really going on. Um, What's fueling what politicians do? Like office holders, I have a sense aren't generally just doing what their constituencies want. They're doing all this party stuff and all of this other stuff.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, there's lobbyists, um, you know, who are allegedly acting on behalf of a certain constituency because they approach a politician and say, oh, your constituents are super, um, you know, engaged with this issue, so we should try and put this bill forward or something like that. but. But really, it's very difficult now to try and get um, a senator or a representative to vote outside of their party lines because they want to be reelected. And it's incentive for them to vote with the party so that they have backing um, when they run again. No one wants to really lose their seat. And when it comes down to doing what they think is right, or ensuring like a job for themselves when their election term is up. I'd say most of them are going to go with ensuring job security for themselves.
3: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think uh, I, I have, I agree. Of course. I think that sounds like when, when it's kind of formulated that way, like that's all true. I think when you, when it's formulated that way, like that's, that's kind of gets at like um, a lot of the cynicism that some folks have towards, Politicians and politics in general, Mm -hmm. because it's like, oh well, they only do things because they're responding to lobbyists so that they can get elected and all that. And that that is all true in a sense. But if you like step back and you you try to like you assume assume some good faith in politics of politicians of either side, which you know the side that you generally agree with, the side that you generally don't. uh, If you assume good faith from all of them, a little bit of the whys behind that has to happen. I think is that there is a there is like a, a a tug that goes on like' you're rep- if you're a politician, you're representing a constituency, but you've also been elected probably on the basis of what you've presented your values to be. And when you go and you're trying to represent that constituency, you have to take into account well what are all my values, what are the things that are important to me that I think are important? Um, what are the things that are important to my constituents, and also what is practical? and able to be passed given the rest of the folks in my party, what they think about things, what the values of their constituencies are. And it's about finding a balance somewhere amongst all of those things. And that goes even double when you, you have a very closely divided government like we do right now, where you even need to, in addition, take into account the values of the constituents of the people in the other party as well in in order to get at least certain things done. So it creates the impression that, you know, nothing's getting done. Everyone only acts in their self-interest, but the, the, the actual real truth of it is that that all happens because of this huge need to compromise in the,
0: in the environment of politics. So a professional politician on any decision that they make, is weighing this huge spectrum of stuff, my constituents' views and how they're going to vote, the, the views of lobbyists who are promising me money or not, which would support my election campaign, right. the party and all of the other people in my party and not in my party and how they're going to vote. So, and even more, you mentioned more than I just listed there in your explanation. So how, how am I you know, like Joe citizen supposed to also have that knowledge as I'm watching the news and seeing something get passed or something being voted on? Like, how do I even form opinions on this stuff when there is so many layers of stuff, not even like, I wanted to say layers of crap, but we'll be, uh, you know, kind and charitable, yeah, charitable and say it's layers of stuff, layers of mechanics that are, like vastly socially complicated on top of a government that is structurally complex. Like, how do I even start to think and talk about that when I'm also, you know, living my life and have a bunch of stuff for a job or a house or a life that I have to pay attention to? How do you guys do it? You guys know a lot more than me. Maybe it's just because you've been at it for longer, but, like, what are the easy ways to know all of that politics stuff.
2: I guess for me, it's
3: like the main way that I like, uh, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm trying to figure out if it's a question about, um, how do you, how do I form my opinions or how do I like, or how do I gain knowledge on the political process that like what, what more side of the question do you ask in there?
0: I guess, how do I either gain or sense the right amount and the right information about the political process to form valuable opinions? Because l- let's take one of the several many things that I know more about than I know about politics. Uh, I know a lot about climate science because it's an interest of mine and I read about it. So, but that's not real. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for being here, Jenna. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so I might know, I might have done a bunch of work to read the physics and might understand what's going on, but now it's time to put forward, or for my representative to put forward cap and trade, or a carbon tax, Mm -hmm. or carbon capture and storage, and like, the right decision politically is a whole nother thing besides what's right scientifically. Like, and it's not just a matter of like, like the science part is largely, you know, data and information. It's, it's largely mathy and determinate, even though it is a big, complex subject. But the politics of it, like, it's not just an equation of like, what will this do to the economy? It's also all this other stuff. Like, I feel like the, the reason I'm so ignorant about politics and the reason many people are ignorant about politics is because the ante for even entering the conversation is this whole social world of all of the lobbying and all of the relationships in the party. Like, how do you even step in and think about it? So
1: I don't know if there's, like, one way to or like an easy way to find out the motives or anything behind any one politician i mean you can go to their websites and read their platforms and um kind of suss out how you think they might vote on like a given on a given subject or given bill and they might even tell you but as far as like ever knowing for sure i don't think there is an easy way i mean from my background, and of course, you've got to take this with a grain of salt, but I <laughs> I think paying attention to the media, at, at least to some extent, and from a variety of different sources, you can see what kind of issues are going to be coming up, um, especially in like your local media. Like I, I think that local news and like local journalism does a great job of presenting um, like a non-biased, um, source for what kind of things are going to be affecting a certain area. Um, of course, if you watch like the the big media news, you're going to get a lot more skewing to one side or the other. But as far as things that will have a direct impact on you locally, um, okay, read your nos- newspaper, check out those websites, um, you know, subscribe to some of the lesser known um, news websites that will send you like newsletters and stuff because they're the ones that will tell you at least what issues you should be knowledgeable about. And then if you're passionate about one of those, you can reach out to your congressperson regardless of what they think or don't and talk to them about it.
0: Steve, you've been quiet. What's your... Uh, no, no, I'm,
1: I'm,
2: what
0: have your thoughts it, been it, so it, far?
2: I, no, you can take it at a few angles. One is this, what do you feel passionate about and what what the extent of, I think, as Jenna alluded, what kind of political activism are you willing to get involved in? Are you willing to call your senator? Are you willing to uh, do protests or or any of those actions? Um, so I, it's at least in terms of how do you get involved, I think it's certainly part of what you're interested in as a constituent. I think, in terms of being able to inform yourself, this is me coming from my my academic backgrounds in public policy. I do apply social science research. So for me, it's I, I look at it decidedly from a public policy. bent. So for me, I don't look at just it's for me, it's you look, you can't look just within your bubble because like, okay, I'm in I'd be very tempted to just read Cato Institute. I don't just read Cato Institute. I read Heritage Foundation. I read, from the center of budget and of policy priorities. I read from all sides of the spectrum to get that more holistic view um, for experts in the field so I can get a full picture of what does one side say versus the other, because if you don't, we, don't, we like to demonize the other side, and it's very easy to do that, we like to think we're right about everything, but if you really, I learned this in high school debate, if you don't understand the other side, you really don't understand what is going on? So To be able, in terms of keeping yourself informed, um, I use I use, I use uh, think tanks primarily again po- policy background, but I think even news media, news media outlets uh, that you don't agree with. So you need to be looking at New York Times as much as you're looking at uh, Fox News. I think in terms, and I think that's a way of certainly to keep keep yourself informed. Everyone everyone can't like get a degree in uh, political science or e- economics or what have you. Um, or I mean, some people, enough people don't even lack the basic civics or American history, uh, uh, coursework, but I, I think in terms of keeping yourself informed, you really have to break outside of the bubble and do what we're doing right now, which is talking to people across the spectrum and understand where they're coming from. So the conversation gets more holistic.
0: I like that you said across the spectrum, not across the aisle.
2: Yeah, I, people think in a in a dimensional aspect. too. I, think at least in a two-dimensional, one, how do you feel about social issues? How do you feel about economic issues? But you can even take that from the domestic level because I I know people on the on the left who feel differently about economics on the domestic level than they do on the international level because even economists on the left tend to feel that uh, free trade is better. Um, for for us at, um, on net, um, and then the economics on a more domestic level are are different. So I think we also I kind of shape shape the conversation. It's not just left or right. Um, there there's multiple aspects of how government should interact with us, both economically and in terms of uh, civil civil rights as well as economic rights.
0: Great. So. Uh, read across the spectrum and stay informed. And I would, uh, I would bet that just given time, you've developed a sense for all of the non-concrete aspects of politics, the three of you, um, all of that unspoken stuff. Um, does a lot of that sense just come with time?
2: Define non-concrete stuff.
0: Uh, I'm trying to think of an example, but the problem is I'm ignorant about politics. (laughs) So I can't think of a really good example of the kind of thing I'm thinking about. But I keep kicking the microphone. Yes, and and, uh, Josh keeps kicking my microphone. Um, It's okay. But if uh, whether it's voting on a policy or maybe voting for an elected official, like there is all of that party and lobby and money and power and influence stuff going on at the same time as just the platform or just the issue. And I feel like if you are just educating yourself on the issue, you're missing a whole bunch of what's going on in politics because so much of it is under the surface and Like that's the thing I struggle with navigating because I could, I could educate myself about a policy. I could educate myself about some policy issue. Like the earlier example, climate change. I educated myself about that. I'm not a physicist. I'm not a physics student. I just read about it to learn how it works. Um, but politics, this big word we're talking about on today's episode includes all of this extra baggage. How do you navigate the baggage? And,
3: well, I, I guess my first question would be, why do you necessarily need to? I mean, it's um, I I feel like there's like an unspoken assumption here that to to like have like a valid political opinion that you feel justified in calling valid that you have to be like um really in the weeds and super informed about the kind of the horse racing that's going on in like. Yes. You know, the modern Republican Party right now, how is Mitch McConnell's and Paul Ryan's relationship doing with each other right now? I mean, that's that yes.
0: So, before you continue your answer, you articulated what I've been trying to say for the past 20 minutes much better than okay. I did. So, yes, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. And maybe it's me. Maybe I'm this reductionist person who does feel like valid opinions can only happen once you've reached this critical mass of information, and tell me why I'm wrong if you think I'm wrong.
3: Right. I mean, it, I mean I guess the the first point I'd make on it is well, you're never gonna acquire like all the information about it and and secondarily some- realistically a lot of that information is is not interesting to a to a lot of people I mean you know like like the 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 dynamics of the the characters in the Republican party or in the Democratic party right now and how they play off of each other and what the relationships are and is McConnell agreeing with Trump right now and all those things those that's all. That all can be interesting if you're interested in that type of thing. Um, At the same time, having a valid political opinion, I I think, is more foundationally, it starts with what your values are um, and however you've considered them over the course of your life, while also trying to be aware of where do those values come from, how do they, why do I have them, and what might my biases be, um... And then, like uh, like Steve and Jenna said, being being as informed as you can of of both different sides, be like, okay, my values push me towards this position on this issue. This is how I think I would prefer someone to vote on this issue. These are the reasons why I think that. I at least want to under, understand why the other side wants to, other than assuming that they're just a comic book villain, which they aren't. Um, and unfortunately, that's where we're at now. Is we're we're kind of in this place in the country where one side is oftentimes just assuming that the other side is is literally villainous with no other exterior motivation you know that's why i i I like steve's point about like if you really like have longer conversations about things like you're going to find people on the left that think one thing about a domestic issue and another on an international one and then another person on the left that will think the reverse of that and same thing on the right like the more open you are to at least like have your position, but understand a little bit of why somebody else may think differently and what supports that and and try to inform yourself of that as much as you can, that at least gives you a basis to say, okay, I understand that. That's at least reasonable to think. I still disagree and I still think the way I think, you know, but now I have this political position. I'm going to contact my representative and
2: we'll see how they vote. Is that helpful?
0: That was helpful. Anybody else? You guys like Josh's answer? I do too. I um, I really do. Yeah. A, uh, <laughs> then a a little different way of formulating it is, um, is a question of, uh, oh man, I can't think of the word and I'm having such a hard time thinking of it. I'm probably going to have to edit some time out of me trying to think about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh A question of efficacy. there we go. Um, so even if if that's all true, that I don't necessarily need to know what Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan's relationship is like to form an opinion on a specific policy and maybe even call my representative about it and ask them to vote a certain way, does me doing that work matter if like matter in the midst of all of the Mitch McConnell, and Paul Ryan relationship things that are happening.
3: Yes. I would say definitively it does. I mean, like, take as an example, like, this past summer, like, whether one thinks that this was a a good turn of events or not, the events this summer around the Affordable Care Act, I think, show at least some evidence that the response of a constituency matters at least to a degree. I mean... It,
0: it matters to three senators among. Well, I'm not good at math. So how many senators are in the Republican well, the, the, Party? The
3: of, yeah, I mean that's <laughs> out of a hundred. Yes, out of a hundred. The 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 thing that's 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 where some of the, like the, when you get into numbers like that, that's where you get at like some of the like intra-party dynamic things. Like there, as the example here is there were plenty of other Republican senators like Bill Cassidy, for example, a few others who Jeff Flake. Yeah. And Jeff, like there's several that have had like various issues with some, a lot of the plans put forward, whether or not they would vote against policy X, Y, or Z that ends up being complicated, especially if they know that, well, on this given thing, there's these votes against it. So I don't have to take the hard position. And this other one, there's these votes. And that's not a criticism of them. That's just how. Yeah, like, so let's
0: I want to take the healthcare example and kind of run with it, because. Like, I feel like that was a bit of a fluke situation, and I don't feel like it's the case that many of those Republican senators were saying to themselves, well, Susan Collins and remind me,
3: uh, Lisa Murkowski and yes. John McCain in the, so, in the end.
0: And let's right. So let's not include John McCain for a minute, because right. he was kind of this last minute fluke aspect of it. So, there's Republican senators that are saying to themselves, well, I know that Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins have it covered, so I don't have to take the hard position on it, right? If that, if they had thought that and McCain hadn't flopped, the bill would have passed. Do I have that right? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, like, what's what's it worth for me to do the work of Like knowing and having a policy position myself as a voter and a citizen, if the real decisions are getting made, like, I feel like it's possibly weighted about all this party relationship and campaign stuff by the people who actually make the decisions and vote for the policies to pass or not, then the opinions of all these people who have put in the work that we're talking about to have well-formed policy positions.
3: Well, it is a republic. Like that is the nature of our government. Like the representatives do get to make the choice of the vote in the end. Like that's that is the system that we have set up.
0: What I'm saying is their choices seem to be more influenced by their own politics, their own interpersonal unspoken stuff than the policy positions of the people they represent.
1: Well, I think probably I mean, I don't know of too many of my friends. Personally, calling their senators or writing letters that often, so I think it's a little bit of a like bystander effect. You think, oh, well, someone else will take care of it. We have other politically engaged people in this community who are Mm -hmm. they're taking care of that. I'm sure if there was like just you know a hot bent issue and senators are just like getting phone calls and letters and on and on and on about this, they're going to think, wait a second, it doesn't matter if you know so and so is going to like back me or whatever next year if my own constituents are feeling really passionate about this issue and I go against that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not, it's definitely not a guarantee, that's for sure. And it's probably going to be disappointing when, you know, you ask your senator to do something or vote a certain way and that's not the outcome, you don't get the outcome that you want. But if you don't, like if you don't vote, you know, I kind of say that about people who like don't vote and then complain about the outcome. Like, well, you didn't do what you your civic, what your civic duty was to do. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of similar in that respect. Yeah,
3: I mean, case in point in in this case to like, I think it for real happening, like in this actual in this actual set of events, like uh, Jerry Moran, I want to say one of the senators from Kansas. He was kind of all on board with a certain path of voting based on what the reporting suggested, and at least for some of the votes that were taken after going to a town hall and hearing from constituents changed his vote. I mean, so that that type of uh, engagement when it's done by people who believe in the side of an issue can absolutely Mm -hmm. change the calculus. I mean, that's the whole point of all this. I mean, if, and I'll tell you what, if it doesn't change the calculus for one specific vote, it potentially changes the calculus to how do I run a reelection campaign? Maybe I won't get reelected, but I think this decision is important to make anyway. I mean, if we're on the healthcare example, an example of that line of thinking is back in 2010 with the passage of the Affordable Care Act, a lot of Democratic members of the House took their vote knowing this is going to slaughter us pretty badly because messing with people's health care is not anything that anybody likes. We happen to believe that this is the right choice. We know that many of us are going to lose reelection. Maybe, maybe just what happened. Yeah. Maybe at an individual level, no one suspected it for themselves particularly, but they knew mm-hmm. that the, the repercussion that even at the time would be pretty, uh pretty rough. And yes,
2: that actually happened.
1: <laughs> right. I
2: actually want to piggyback off of Jenna's idea, Um, and I'm not thinking about the healthcare act so much as I'm thinking of the the NRA, the National Rifle Association. Um, They only have 5 million members. You think you hear about all these stories about how they have so much clout that they have millions upon millions of members, but it's that they have those very, I mean, they have those members, that make the calls, that do all the activism outside of their own uh, whatever their own professional lives may be. They make those calls, and then they make they 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 have that influence. So I think going back to your initial question, I think a lot of it has to do with how involved are we with the uh, political process. I think especially when you look at other uh, like like European countries, um, like especially with France and how they there's a lot of uh, demonstrations and protests. Um, in comparison, we really don't have that culture. I think that's been changing since uh, Donald, Donald Trump's been elected. But I think, generally speaking, we haven't had that for a while. And when we do have that kind of uh, political involvement, even if we're not as well a, 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 as astute or as well informed, I think when you have that engagement, you have the people have more involvement. But if we don't, there's that, as Jenna said, we have that bystander effect and we have that overall complacency. So I think aside from being informed, I, I think being involved definitely uh, helps with the, the, the process and to be able to navigate just to answer the overall uh, overarching question.
0: Great. So uh, the answer is to get off my ass, read more. <laughs> um, I try to read as much as I can, but apparently I'm being told to read more and then call my representatives.
2: Yes, Especially when you're talking about local politics, because, I mean, you think locally, I'm sorry, you think globally and you act locally. So a lot more happens on the local level than you think. I mean, I I just think of zoning laws as an example, how it affects billions of dollars with how you how you move buildings and how you can construct buildings Mm -hmm. um, and how you can economically develop. So a lot more of it's although the funding comes from the federal government because they have the most power to uh, collect taxes and allocate Uh, The revenues, it's still a lot of it is very much uh, implemented on the local
0: level. Yeah, and I've got an entire episode planned on local politics. Um, So that will definitely be a fun one because I'm extra ignorant about that particular topic. Um, I could tell you three local representatives by name and state senators, no idea, no clue.
3: Oh, I met our state senator once
0: at the store. Oh, wait, store. actually, I do know one of our... Great guy. I do know one of our state representatives. Okay, four. I could name four Wisconsin politicians by name, and that's the extent of my knowledge. Um, for the rest of our time today, I want to pivot a little bit on our question because we've been talking about kind of how you do politics, first what it is, and then how you navigate it. Uh, I want to take the rest of our time talking about uh How effective is our political structure? What does it do for us? So we do have this party structure and we have this representative democracy where, um, like Josh kind of alluded to, we have outsourced a lot of our decision making and kind of political action to representatives. Um, And then there's whatever level of disconnect between the stuff actually getting done and the citizens who actually live in the country who need like Steve said, the resources allocated to them to live, you know, free and happy. And what is it? Life, life, liberty. Yeah. Liberty. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Resources to do that. Those Sorry. Things. Sorry, guys. I'm ignorant. Um, so how, how effective is the way that we're governing and the way our politics works right now? Um, Let's do again where everybody just gets to answer the question. So how effective is our politics?
3: Well, I think structurally the concept of a, of like a Republic, like the, the reason why like electing representatives, I I think is appealing and, and is kind of structurally sound is because you don't like direct democracy always seems to sound really good to people, especially like now when it's like, oh, we could all just vote online for like the, preference that we have or something like that. Like you get a lot of like idealism there.
0: Sounds actually wildly inefficient.
3: Yeah. Like not only is, I think is it wildly inefficient, but like when you think like realistically about what types of decisions you would be getting then, like you don't want the mob of people hanging the president in effigy, making the decisions. And you also don't want like the mob of people who's supporting the leader at the time, making like all the decisions either. Like, Having a representative democracy kind of cools down the the passions of the people a little bit if you if you dig into some of the philosophy of it i I think that's kind of kind of a big argument for it so structurally, a republic seems to make sense um
0: and then what about in practice
3: in practice, I think there's some challenges with like the way that the way that voting is done like you everybody it's kind of the cliche thing to complain about the two party system and oh we should just get rid of the two party system what that actually is is a is an issue with the way that votes are tallied and like the way the voting system works like, first past the post voting and all of that. There are merits to that way of voting too. But if, if there is like a structural issue that has produced the type of gridlock that we have right now, if that issue is structural and not something more cultural or or in the society, it's probably that like if you're looking for something to write a constitutional amendment off of to make things quote unquote, structurally better, mm-hmm. that's probably a good candidate for what it is. But if it's something that's like, no, we're just culturally messed up right now. You can't, you can't legislate that yeah. into so effectiveness. It,
0: it, it seems that we are also somewhat culturally messed up. Um, it, it, like culturally, how is our democracy not working for us? Because we, we can say in some certain ways that it's not working well things are getting done, but not well. Steve has words, I, go ahead.
2: I do have words. I, 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 you bring up a cultural aspect that's interesting because we, we already mentioned life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And I think as one professor that I had at Lawrence University put it, the founding fathers wanted it to be a, a libertarian playground as it were, to be able to do whatever you want as long as you don't quote, unquote, pick my pocket or break my leg. Um, on the other hand, there, I mean, people who came in this country you also have this puritanical religious aspect i mean i remember living in wisconsin you come across one billboard for um for uh for adult rated uh products and then uh, and then another billboard for uh for anti-abortion stuff um, so you really kind of have this you kind of have this mix um here where you want to well, you want to be free but at the same time you have another uh contingency uh i mean i'm sorry another uh a group of constituents who like want to uphold this more moralistic uh, aspect so i think in some aspects it's it's more confusing but at the same time we want to think of ourselves as free and more self-reliant and having this sense of american uh, rugged self-individualism which why in some like in european countries it's more it's like easier for them to implement something like uh, universal health care whether it's through a two-tier system or whether it's through an insurance mandate um so you have some cultural yes you're going to have that you're going to have that give and take uh, i mean certainly um from a cultural aspect and and other countries they also have they have a, uh they don't have the bipartisan system we have i i I would argue that i mean we can go more detail about this i would argue that we have a system that allows for a two-party system instead of having a multi-party polar system where i can vote for a party that more accurately reflects my views that has good issues and that has bad issues because if you had to form a coalition government that, oh, hey, you have to appeal to the to the crazies, either on the far left or the far right mm-hmm. um, to get to get where you're going. So I, I think. And I think I had another professor at Lawrence who also said democracy is the best institute. I know we're not re- democracy; we're a representative of the republic, um, but like that, democracy is the worst system except for all the other ones.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a uh, <laughs>
0: yeah. who's uh, whose famous quote is that?
3: It's uh, often ascribed to Churchill, I think. Ah, yeah. but is that
0: a is that a false attribution? I'm not sure. Okay,
3: like yeah, Steve might know more
0: than what's more a than uh, what's a coalition from. government? I don't know what that means.
2: Co- coalition government, like like you take uh, Britain for example, like the Tor like the Tories right now. They had they had this election um, back in uh, May, May through June um, where they had the majority. They were looking to get more votes to solidify the fact that they could control the the votes with one party. But a coalition means you need to go to another to another party, where it's Labour, like in a British context, where it's Labour Party or what have you. Um, to make sure you have enough votes to be able to pass legislation. Okay. And it's a similar issue of making sure we have enough votes to pass, like the Republicans have enough votes to either get past the filibuster or do they have to use reconciliation? But the same idea, I mean, it's just more players or in terms of party, um, whether or not you have enough votes or you have enough political clout um, to shove whatever policy you want through the Overton window.
0: <laughs> nice. Very, well done. <laughs> um... All right, and then uh, I think we're up to Jenna for how well is our politics working?
1: He's I, don't, I don't know if I could top all of that. Um, how well is it working? Um, I'd probably say generally people don't think about how well it works until for them it doesn't. Um, so I think that's why right now we have a lot of unrest about how well our democracy is working and, you know, with the election last year, then they're like, oh my gosh, we we need to do it all by the popular vote now. This is ridiculous. You know, the system is broken. The system is broken. Um, when they were fine, when the system
0: elected whoever uh, they agreed with. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. So, I mean, again, there is no perfect system. Um, I think... Just the way that our culture is now with like social media has made people on the whole a lot more whiny and able to complain about it to more masses of people about how inefficient it is, which then perpetuates that it is inefficient.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And uh, wanting the government to work for everybody's interests, not just yours, is a very cosmopolitan argument from you being right of center.
3: I was gonna say that's a little <laughs> social justice warrior, and I detached a bit.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. So I, I'm def- I think I find that I have more like conservative values. But that being said, I there's a lot of issues where I personally don't even care about them that much. I'd rather people just be able to do their own thing. Um, and as far as like structurally the government is, I I think that having a two party system. Um, I honestly think it would be better if we could have more than one party. I mean, the same issues kind of persist um, that that Steve mentioned, even if uh, we have more parties. But I think as far as people feeling like they can identify more with one, uh, maybe would ease some of the tension. Because even though it seems so divided right now, I think if you talk to a lot of people, they would find that there is no one like party platform that they just identify with completely.
0: Okay, so what did we come up with altogether amongst us that uh the system is generally working the way it was intended to? Uh we've got some cultural ground to make up on social media. Um that probably deserves its own episode. Um and that we uh need to be involved. Um And we need to be in contact with our representatives. And that is one simple way that politics can become more effective for the citizenry. Do I have all that right?
3: That seems good.
0: All right. uh, A poll for you guys. I have a terrible pun in mind for an episode on parties, and I need to have you tell me how bad it is. So I want to call the episode Parties, Should We Throw Them or Throw Them Out? Oh, my
2: God. Ah. <laughs> oh, okay,
0: two people laughed, and one person who doesn't like me very much said something rude to me. Yeah, so I uh I'm gonna go with it. I'm Great. gonna keep yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, I like
1: puns, though. I might be a little biased. That's yeah, fine. Uh,
0: good. It's <laughs> a, you know, it's a good bias to have. So, uh cool. Any final thoughts on what are politics and how how people should think about them? We've we've covered a lot of ground, but if anybody had. Uh, other things on their mind from the discussion that they wanted to get off their chest.
3: Hey, one thing that the folks that uh, like the, the folks that I encountered just in day-to-day conversation who end up saying like, not only do I not like politics, but I, you know, I don't pay any attention to that. Those folks are the ones that end up actually like giving me the the most dismay. Like the, at the end of the day, like most acts can be construed as political acts. Like your decision to take a job with a given employer is arguably political. Your decision to negotiate or not for a certain amount of money by that employer is, is political. Like there's like, I think part of the like being a little bit more open to gaining more knowledge on the topic in a way that's not like this just drives me nuts involves recognizing that this is, this is part of, of life. Like, just like spirituality is just like family life is just, just like, this is part of our like Congress that we have with other, with other human beings around us. Like that, that's what the essence of political acts is, is like all the little like interpersonal things that we do with each other in the end, aggregate to our politics. So like being, just being more aware that uh, everything that like, everything from your values to how you act every day, like, can contributes to likely a political opinion that, that you have. I don't know if that makes sense, but...
0: Yes, well, I, I agree with you that to, to say, I don't want anything to do with that, I don't want to think about it, is... Too bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, you, like, we're all here together, and you must. I mean, you could you're just... An, you're an adult. <laughs> you could be a total nihilist about it, but, I mean... With a,
3: you're an adult, vote. Yeah. Pe- people died so you could vote. Like, there you go. There that's thank true. you.
0: All right. That's that's a good way to, to put it. Yeah. I couldn't think of a way around the nihilism, but you helped me. Yeah. All right. Anybody else?
1: I think it's just important when you're having those little conversations. You know, don't look at it with with an aim like, oh, I I'm gonna one up this person with my knowledge, because that's like number one way how to shut down people mm-hmm. from Wanting to talk to politics or talk to you in general, period, ever. So, I don't know, just kind of keep an open mind. Even if someone says something that you totally 100% disagree with, there are probably still at least three things you have in common with that person. Uh, that other thing aside. So.
0: Even if the shockingness of Game of Thrones is one of those three things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if. <laughs> Steve, uh, any final thoughts?
2: I mean, if I have any final thoughts, it would be a reiteration. One is get out of your bubble and really um, try to ha- try to reach across the aisle and have that conversation. Two is to empathize because, I mean, in many respects, um, like I don't like someone who's for like the Affordable Care Act, for example, um, and has to deal with, um, do I have insurance or do I doubt, do I not? I, I think you have to be able to validate where where the other side's coming from and also to find common ground i think that's real important because when i have discussions with people it's often not what are the goals we're looking for it's really especially since i'm libertarian and, and i'm not the biggest fan of government it's often not what are we trying to aspire towards it's how do we get there um so to remember we have that common ground and find that common ground rather than shame the person or think that or. Uh, or to think we villainize them, um, I think that's another thing. And and just we have to remember, and I'm going to probably leave with this final thought for a late Senator Daniel Patrick Boy- Boyahan, you have the right to your own opinion and not your own facts. So that's something that we really need to keep in mind um, when having these discussions.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, I am slightly less ignorant from today's discussion, and there will be more. I uh, hope you enjoyed today's guests. You can read Josh Breskowitz at joshbrez.com. That's Josh, z.com. You can read Steve's work at libertarianjew.blogspot.com. And uh, Jenna does not have time to write a blog because she's in law school. So you can just look. I, I do the reading. Yes. Yeah. she. Yeah. <laughs> and Jenna will be reading at Texas A&M. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: all right. Thanks, everybody.
2: Bye. Thank you. Thanks.